conference finals are in full swing and the action increases from game to game. This is where the contenders are separated from the pretenders. To give you some skin in the game, DraftKings will be offering free to play pools every day of the basketball and hockey playoffs, offering players a free shot at $10,000 in total prizes. That's up to $10,000 in total prizes up for grabs each day. The best part is it's free to play. DraftKings free to play pools are easy to enter. Just download the DraftKings app, go to pools and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to get a free shot at $10,000 in total prizes every day in the NBA and NHL playoffs. Head to DraftKings Pool to Play page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Hello and welcome to the Ice Guys, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. This is the show that takes you into the world of the National Hockey League. Every game, every day, from a sports betting perspective. With pro handicappers Alex B. Smith and Ian Cameron, and veteran sports writer Jimmy Murphy. And now, here's your host, Ian Cameron. Welcome to the Ice Guy, as presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. Saturday, June 19th, Ian Cameron with you, uh, flying solo on this Saturday edition of the show, ready to break down a game four tonight, a pivotal one if you're the New York Islanders, as you try to even up the series and avoid a 3 1 deficit before the scene shifts back to T-Bay for Game 5. So a very important Game 4 tonight. Just not pretty, but effective, and that's all that matters. They don't ask you how, they ask you how many uh, in terms of wins. And the Montreal Canadiens, not a pretty game, not a good start at all by by any stretch of the imagination, the way that game unfolded, getting outshot badly in the first period. Uh, But Montreal hung in there uh, and just found a way. And they were, uh, obviously, if you're uh, Montreal, you were got through the first period when you didn't play well. Eric Stahl gives the puck away, a, a perfect assist. I mean, he should he should really get an assist, Eric Stahl, uh, on the goal that Nicholas Waugh scored in the second period to make it one nothing Vegas. He couldn't have put that puck on a tee better uh, for Nicholas Waugh than he did. Just a terrible decision. I don't know what Eric Stahl saw. In front of the in front of the net, that made him think that was a good decision to pass that puck, and sure enough, it wasn't a good decision, uh, and he ends up paying the price for it. So, uh, it ended up being a very very uh, bad decision by Eric Stahl to turn that puck over. But the key thing for Montreal is, and this is the thing they've done at times in these playoffs: they give up a goal, they have a little setback. There's no "woe is me" attitude. There's no "whoa, we're really in trouble now." They just keep playing, stick to the game. You know, just keep on playing the game. It's a 60-minute game. It's not a 40-minute game. It's not a 50-minute game. It's not a 30-minute game. It's a 60-minute game. You have to keep playing. There's ebbs and flows. There's momentum swings. That happen in the course of a playoff hockey game. They stuck with it. Cole Caulfield gets the a beautiful feed from Nick Suzuki to find him on that breakaway and a perfect finish up over the glove of Marc-Andre Fleury to tie the game 1-1. Alex Petrangelo 
with, with a terrific shot to give Vegas a two to one lead. And Vegas, it looked like, was playing a very, very sound, solid defensive third period on the road, nursing that one goal lead. And then a, just an unfortunate and catastrophic and terrible turnover and misplay by Marc Andre Fleury. He has, he actually had been pretty good handling the puck and he handles the puck a lot. You know, I wouldn't say he's one of the absolute best goalies playing the puck, but he's above average. And unfortunately, he just picked the worst time possible to flub the clearing attempt of the puck. He almost mishit it with his stick. It ended up bouncing off his skate, ended up going careening right back in front. And there was a yawning cage and a wide open net for Josh Anderson uh, to deposit the puck into the net and tie the game at two with just under two minutes to go in the third period. Boy, it was just a terrible, terrible misplay for Marc-Andre Fleury. And you could tell he was frustrated. He slammed the stick against the uh, net. Uh, not happy whatsoever. And I found that Vegas controlled most of the game up till that point. I think Vegas was rattled a little bit by that giveaway by Fleury or that turnover that led to the tying goal. Because in overtime, either that or it just went to Montreal's skates and their legs because – the, th the overtime was the best part of the game for Montreal. They actually took the play to Vegas. They had more shots on goal than Vegas for the first time than they did in any stretch of the game. They had actually better chances uh, in that overtime as well. Uh, and, of course, they end up Josh Anderson, the star of the night. Uh, he knocks the puck down out of midair. Uh, they reviewed it to see if it was played with a high stick. It wasn't. Uh, and, of course, the two-on-one rush, beautiful feed from Paul Byron to Josh Anderson. Uh, a two-on-one develops, and of course, they finish it off uh, and get the uh, overtime win, three to two. Incredible show of resilience again uh, by Montreal. Uh, and I do have to mention the absolutely awful officiating last night in that game. Chris Lee and O'Rourke, I think, were the two officials. These guys were brutal last night, and for both teams, they were brutal. But especially, you know, for Montreal in overtime, how with and when you see that high stick that Corey Perry took from Jonathan Marsh. So not only did it clearly get him with, it was clearly Marsh's stick that hit Corey Perry in the face. It drew blood. So it not only should have been a penalty, it should have been a four minute penalty, you know, because a high sticking penalty that uh, draws blood on the opponent is always a four minute penalty. So not only did they miss that and it was a brutal miss, it was a terrible miss by the officials not not calling any penalty, but it should have been four minutes. Should have been the double minor variety given to Marsh so for that. I still like blood clearly on Perry. He has to go off to uh, get it all patched up and stitched up. Um, and some replay, there's actually a referee standing right where that high stick occurred, and somehow he didn't see it. And I'm wondering how how the hell did you not see that? Clearly, it was Marsh so stick. Barry, Perry is bleeding profusely uh, after that because of it. And the guy is basically standing right there, and he doesn't call anything. I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, what the hell are you looking at? Are you staring up at the sky? Are you picking your nose? Like, what are you doing? Or what besides what you're supposed to be doing your job could you possibly have been doing at that moment when you're standing right there and somehow not see what just happened? It, it's mind-boggling. That he was standing in the position he was at the on the ice at that time, and somehow did not see that, that high stick. It really is, is is incredible that it was missed. But it was just one of uh, a few examples in that game last night where the officiating was just not good enough. Not the kind of standard you expect when you're in the Stanley Cup semifinals and you're down to the final four teams. 
And there was some concern that, hey, that missed high stick, maybe Montreal, maybe the watch Vegas probably win now. And then they'll really make a big deal out of that. Could you imagine if Montreal had lost following a blatantly missed call like that on Corey Perry? Then they'd never hear the end of it uh, in Montreal. They would be just, you know, condemning the league, condemning the officials. But the officials got bailed out because Montreal won the game anyway uh, in overtime. And then there's people that I hear on Twitter that are going to say, well, Vegas got robbed. Carey Price completely stole the game. Vegas should have won. They dominated. They heavily outshot Montreal. Be careful just going by the shots on goal. And I've learned in recent years not to do that. You've got to look at other things. You've got to look at expected goals margin, which I believe for the game was only 2.7 to 2.2 in favor of Vegas. So only a 0.5 uh, goal margin difference, which isn't much considering the shots were 45-27 in the game for Vegas. Another stat that stands out, Vegas only had a 13-10 to 10 advantage in high-danger scoring chances last night in Game 3. So what does that tell me? It tells me that a lot of those 45 shots that the Vegas Golden Knights had, they were not the best quality of chances. They were not inside position chances. They were not slot area chances. They were not going to the goal crease. Many of the shots were from the outside and point shots or shots from bad angles where Carey Price could make the save. So, yeah, they they heavily outshot Montreal, 45-27. I understand that. But 13-10 to 10 was the final output of last night's game in terms of high-danger chances. So, really, Vegas was only plus three high-danger scoring chances uh, against Montreal last night. And if you break it down even further, Montreal actually had 2 nothing edge in high-danger chances in overtime. And I think they had, in the second and the third period combined, I think Vegas had maybe one high-danger scoring chance more than Montreal. You know, so you could really say that from the second period onward, it was pretty even in terms of the high danger chances category. It was really the first period where Vegas got most of their high danger opportunities. It's a little bit misleading if you look at the shots on goal count last night and say, wow, Vegas dominated. They completely deserved the game. I don't know about completely. Did they deserve the win? I think they did. Yes, they, they deserve the win, but do they completely deserve the win? They absolutely should have won that game. No, no, because I think as a lot of those shots were not good enough scoring chances, and that's what we got to talk about. There's things that Vegas has to work on in game four. Number one, they got to get better position. They got to somehow fight through screens, fight through traffic, and find ways to get on the other end of pucks and make sure they make life tough on Carey Price and make sure he doesn't see the puck as much as possible. Uh, that's very important, and I think you've got to continue to see that more and more uh, for Vegas. Get pucks to the net and get a lot more traffic uh, to the net as well uh, for this team, and we'll see if they can do that uh, in Game 4. And another thing they have to fix is their power play. You know, there's only so long you can go without with your power play, not only not producing – but being a detriment, like they're they're barely generating, you know, offensive zone time and chances with the power play. That is how bad it has struggled uh, in recent games for this uh, Golden Knights team. Their five on five play has been strong. Peter DeBoer said it last night uh, in the post game press conference. But they need to work on the power play because it ain't good enough right now uh, for the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, but credit to Montreal, you know, didn't play their best early. 
just hung around, hung around, found a way. Dominic Ducharme, of course, out indefinitely, won't be behind the bench probably for the rest of the series because of his COVID-19 positive test. But Luke Richardson, uh, Alex Burrows, uh, Sean Burke, you know, tip of the cap to them. Now, they were running the bench last night for Montreal, uh, and I thought they did a, a, a solid job. You know, did you see screw-ups on the, during the game? Did you see too many men on the ice penalties? Did you see bad line changes? Did you see any of that during the game for Montreal? No. So, you know, you wouldn't have known the head coach, you know, was, was missing in action last night because usually when that happens, sometimes you get miscommunication. Sometimes you get, you know, too many men on the ice. You get some weird shit happening. Uh, but, look, uh, it was a – very solid effort uh, and, and a great job by the coaching staff. And look, they all had their roles going into the game last night. You know, you know, one guy looks at the forwards, one guy manages the defense and the blue line. You know, you have Sean Burke, who's been dealing with the goaltending. So he's there. He can work with that. So, you know, considering that this was all on the fly, they only find out what yesterday morning about Ducharme testing positive and that he can't be behind the bench and he's got to go into quarantine for a bit. And then they got to make all these changes on the fly, get the coaching staff in place. Um, absolutely an outstanding job for it to be as seamless uh, as it was uh, in that game last night. But credit to Montreal. Um, you know, not, again, the first period was bad. But again, I say this, this, this mantra of 45 to 27 shots on goal for Vegas, that they deserved this win and they got it stolen from them. They got it ripped from them. They had, they should never, they should never have lost this game. They deserve this win. They should have won this game. They should be up two to one in the series. Yeah. The shots point that out, but again, high danger chances were 13 to 10 for Vegas for the game. Only plus three in that category. Second period onward, it was pretty much dead even in high danger chances. And in overtime, Montreal two, nothing in high danger chances and Montreal in overtime one shot on goal more than Vegas as well and two nothing in high danger chances Vegas didn't have a single high danger chance in overtime so you know that that you've got to consider that uh right now uh for this Montreal team two nothing in high danger chances in overtime and in fact that was the best stretch of the game for Montreal was that overtime and the way they played uh, they, I think, I think personally, Vegas will never admit that. Mark Stone didn't say it in the post game, or anybody on the Golden Knights said it. You're mentally, mentally taking a gut punch with that Mark Andre Fleury mistake, and they can say all they want. We still wanted to come out strong. You could tell it was not the same, you know, Vegas squad in overtime. You know, that was a serious mental, like wow, that really sucked. You know that that. Mark Andre Fleury giveaway happened and misplay that led to that two-two goal because they really didn't they they lost their game a little bit uh, in overtime. Montreal was taking it to them in overtime. They they were, and I think part of it was you know a little bit of a Debbie Downer attitude for uh, the uh, uh, for the um, Montreal uh, for the Vegas Golden Knights rather a little Debbie Downer attitude for this team uh, after uh, that Mark Andre Fleury misplay and you know and. For a team that's shown a lot of resiliency, you would expect them to show better resiliency than that. Like, it's still there for the taking the game. It's 2-2. It's in overtime. He played pretty well. Just man up, buck up, you know, put your uh, lace up your skates and get out there and keep playing the way you have most of the night, uh, especially in the first period. And for Vegas last night, it was like, you know, a bit of a defeatist attitude after that uh, tying goal went in and they they did not have their game back uh at that at, at, in overtime and i think they were deflated a little bit emotionally and a little mentally deflated 
uh, following uh, that goal going in to make it 2-2. And uh, now we got a series, and I said we'd have a series. Um, I just hope uh, we have six games. I'll be happy. I mean, uh, I, I don't think Montreal would win the next two and win in five. I feel very good about this series going six. I, Vegas is good enough that they're going to win another couple of games. But look, series, uh, if, if you didn't believe that uh, going into game three, uh, you can believe it now. And um, Carey Price, terrific again. Uh, not a surprise there. He's been outstanding in these playoffs. And again, Montreal can win this series right now. Uh, there's no question. And in fact, it's it's pretty amazing that they're up in the series, Montreal two to one, and they're still a plus one thirty five, plus one forty underdog in the series. So uh, that tells you again about how there's been all kinds uh, of um, all kinds of value on Montreal in this series. That's why I said it's hard for me to back Vegas in any game in this series because they're just so wildly, you know, overpriced in my opinion. Could you have priced Vegas the way they have? in this series and game to game based on the regular season performances of these two teams. Sure. I could maybe say, you know what Vegas being minus four fifty, minus five fifty in some spots in the series as if, if you're basing it on regular season, I, I could kind of see, I, yeah, I think it's still high, but I could see it, but he's here based on regular season. You have to look at the playoffs and it's been different. It's been a different Montreal team here in the playoffs. And I don't think it should have been that high. Simple as that uh, in terms of the series price. And the game-to-game prices shouldn't have been what they are either. So that's why it's just, you know, you could like Vegas in game four. And I do think game four is going to be a massive test for Montreal because I do expect Vegas is going to be coming out just storming uh, in game four. I really believe they will. But again, where's the value? I mean, even I think Vegas could win game four. Uh, and they're going to, I think, come out strong in game four, but you're not seeing first period value. You're not seeing full game money line value. You're just not right now uh, with this team. I mean, they're being priced like they're you know, way on this other level than Montreal. And it's just not exactly the case with what we've seen head to head here in this series or in these playoffs, specifically from this Montreal team. All right. So that was last night. Uh, we'll turn our attention now to the night. We have a game number four. Tampa Bay Lightning, New York Islanders. Uh, Tampa Bay minus 130 road favorites in this game, uh, pretty much across the board. Uh, the total right now in that five, uh, sitting at five. And again, we've seen this series been a little bit of a back and forth, a little bit of a zigzag, I guess, if you will, uh, from a totals perspective uh, in this series. We had game one stay under. We had game two go over the total. We had game three stay under. And we've had uh, game four uh, basically uh, uh, we have game four tonight, and I think game four has got a very good chance to uh, go uh, over the total here in this one. That's what I like. I like over five in this game. I think the Islanders have a shot here uh, as well. The one, uh, and I lean Islanders as a home dog tonight, as along with that over, I think we'll de- definitely see a few more goals tonight. It's got that kind of series flow to it where you're going to see low scoring one game, then the offenses will make their adjustments be better the next game like they were in game two when I really liked the over that night. And then in game three, you saw good goaltending, solid defense. It was tough to get pucks through. And then game four tonight, I think you have a chance to get this game to be a little bit more higher scoring again. The Islanders, I think, uh, very important for them to try to get that first goal as well, get the crowd into it at Nassau Coliseum. Um, the the question is going to be, can they get pucks through? Because we've seen it all playoffs essentially here uh, that Vasilevsky and the and the trio of Hedman, Sergachev, and uh, – McDonough on that blue line for Tampa Bay. Good luck trying. They're like 
brick walls. They're like blockades in front of their own net right now. The goalie and those three defensemen, uh, they are blocking everything. Victor Hedman with the stick positioning, it's incredible. I thought the Islanders had a one-timer ready to whip it into the wide-open net the other night, and there's the long reach and the long stick of Victor Hedman right there in the right position to just put his stick out there, deflect the puck, and get it out of danger. I mean, that's why he is arguably the best defenseman in the NHL, uh, Victor Hedman, in all areas, five-on-five, a power play, penalty kill in his own zone, offensively shoots the puck and give you points from the – like he's got it all. He can skate. He can do it. He's physical. He's got every component of what it takes to be an elite defenseman, uh, and that's what we see from him nightly. But I'm going to buy into the, the Islanders and their scrappy, feisty, never-say-die attitude. I Because, look, in the second period and in the third period, I thought they outplayed the Lightning at times. They had sw- stretches of both periods where they swarmed the Lightning net they just couldn't get any results. They just couldn't get any production for their efforts. And obviously, that's got to change. You can only go so long getting chances, getting opportunities, having time in the offensive zone. But if you don't eventually convert and find a way to put the puck in the net, it's not going to matter You know, at the end of the day. So you just got to hope the Islanders stick to it, keep on you know, cycling in the offensive zone. They had some success doing that. Uh, against the uh, Lightning the last game and hope you just have better puck luck and do a better job finding the back of the net tonight. So I like over five minus 120, and and I like the Islanders a little bit. First period full game split is probably what I'm going to do. A little on the first period for the Islanders, a little on the full game. This is the game they got to have, right? You don't want to go down 3-1 going back to Tampa Bay, and I'd love to see the Islanders win for another reason. I've got two enormous bets in this round of the playoffs on over five and a half games in both series, Tampa Bay Islanders and Montreal Vegas. Really, really, you know, bigger bets for me. I mean, I really like these. I couldn't believe you could get five and a half games over in both of these series at the prices you could get. Minus 130 it was in this series, and it was even money in the Montreal Vegas series. Uh, That will cash if the Islanders win tonight. So go Islanders. I'm all Islanders tonight. So I'm going to keep it small on the Islanders since I'm invested already on over five and a half games. So a little small bets, a couple small bets for me, Islanders first period full game. I also like over five tonight with game four, uh, Lightning and Islanders. We've got Jimmy Murphy joining us on a Saturday. I figured, you know what, I'm doing the show alone. Jimmy uh, wasn't able to join us yesterday. Uh, so I said, let's, let's, get, let's see if we can get Jimmy on the show today here uh, on a rare Saturday. And here he is. Uh, as we speak, Jimmy, uh, welcome in. Before you uh, mention your thoughts on the game tonight, talk a little about this resilient Montreal Canadiens team uh, and what they were able to do last night with the win in overtime against Vegas. Well, they took a early Christmas present from Marc Andre Fleury. That's what they're able to do. I mean, I, I still can't get over that, guys. I mean, it was just that was you know I'm dating myself here, but for you older folks, there that was a Bill Buckner moment if I ever saw one. I mean, that was just. That's a good comparison, yeah. It was just, it was, I mean, I know there was game six of the World Series then, but still, just uh, like, what happened there? But you know what? Good teams take advantage of breaks like that and, and, you know, gift wrap chances like that, and they bury them, and that's what the Canadians did. And, you know, their resilience they showed in overtime to keep it going as well. Uh, I thought it was unreal. But, I mean, I think the bottom line is when it comes to that game, if we're going to recall that game going down and they continue this run through the playoffs and somehow make it to the final – 
I, I think we know who we're talking about. It's not going to be Marc-Andre Fleury. Don't focus on a mistake. Focus on the brilliance that was going on at the other end between the pipes for the Habs, and that's Carey Price. I mean, it, he was simply sensational. If they had a Conn Smythe B trophy, all right, if there was a, a second Conn Smythe to give, even if the Habs don't make it to the Stanley Cup final, he would be my Conn Smythe B winner. Uh, it, it's just, it's insane. If they make it to the final, then I think he gets it hands down even, even if they lose. He's going to be the first guy since Jaguar. I mean, I, I thought what he did, and then you see the way the team feeds off it. You see the way they sort of regain their energy, and, and they they said, look, he's got us this far. Now we got to repay him, and that's what they did. And uh, there, it's just something going on there. I mean, the more we watch this, the more this story uh, goes on, there, there's something magical happening with this Canadians team. And this is like those old Canadians teams where they would get breaks like that. You know, when you're when you're on these runs – those things happen. And I just remember some of the teams in the eighties and I don't remember the teams in the seventies, but I know I heard the stories about the too many men on the ice, the Bruins, Canadians, stuff like that. Maybe the old ghosts are coming back. Maybe the ghosts of the form are the ones filling the rest of the seats that they can't put people in. That's what's going on there. So uh, it's a storybook going on with Montreal. And I like their chances a lot in this series, obviously being up to one. The next game is to me is do or die for the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, huge game. And like I said earlier, they got to fix the power play. They got to get more traffic bodies to the net uh, against Price. That's what's got to happen. Those two things have to happen. You cannot go forever with your power play being as anemic as it is right now for Vegas. So they got to figure yeah. five on five plays great. Uh, but unfortunately, their power plays in the tank. Yeah, go- uh, goal. You know what? Chris Cuthbert's call of that goal, if you listen to it carefully, he didn't say Cole Caulfield, he said goal Caulfield. That's exactly he what he said in all of that. Yeah, it's like <laughs> that breakaway goal he scored. He actually said goal, not Cole, in the call, which was cool. It was wasn't that just a, a pure goal scorer's finish, too? I mean, you can just yes, tell this kid has he, he just He's one of those yeah. guys. He's got that it factor. And, I mean, you knew he was going to bury it. And he did it with such ease. I mean, this is – let's think about how many games this kid has under his belt right now and where he was only a month ago, you know? I mean, this is – amazing that he's just that moment isn't crushing him mentally or or scaring him the least bit he's just he's been unreal and he surprised me too with some of his passing too you know I think of him I always thought he you know a pure sniper but he can pass as well he's got some great vision out there so they got it going on right now but I'll tell you what they cannot have a start like they did in game three uh no. against the Vegas in game four because sooner or later Vegas is going to be able to parlay that I the fact that they were even in that game after two periods was amazing to me, but I think that gave them life again, and they went from there. Yeah, and certainly the Marc-Andre Fleury gaff gave them life because Vegas looked well, mentally yeah. drained after that in overtime, and Montreal really took it to them uh, in overtime. Yeah. And then, of course, the Corey Perry missed call. I, I have no idea how that was missed. The referee's right there. <laughs> the Marshall stick clearly hits him. He's bleeding all over the place. Not only should it have been a penalty, it should have been four minutes. Yeah. A double minor for drawing blood. And then he and comes out, he's standing there shaking hands one by yeah. one. Don't You know what? That's cool. And I'm sure he was doing that out of respect for his teammates and camaraderie and all that. But don't you dare tell me that that wasn't a message to the league being like, screw you. I want you yeah. to see all the blood on my face right now. He, he made no efforts to wipe it. He let it kept dripping. No. That was theatrics. Yeah. That was, you look what you missed, you idiots. Look at what you missed. That was him yeah. saying that to the officiating crew and to the league. And, you know, it's just another example. The beat goes on. I mean, it, you know, I was doing some complaining in the Bruins series, but you know that I, don't, I, I hate doing that. But how can you not complain about the officiating overall in the playoffs right now? It's an absolute joke. 
it's hard to argue with that. I mean, inconsistency, missed calls, blatantly missed calls. Uh, and we're seeing it almost every game now. And uh, definitely that uh, refereeing crew has been getting the ire of a lot of people today, criticizing them, and rightfully so. I mean, even uh, you're seeing people on TV rip the officials last night as well uh, in that game yeah. last night for doing a, a, a brutal job. So uh, definitely issues with the refereeing and consistency with officiating. One game to the next remains an issue. Uh, Jimmy, let's get your thoughts tonight now. Game four, look, against a team as good as Tampa Bay defending Stanley Cup champions, it's hard to find a pathway back when you trail them three to one in a series. So for the Islanders, you got to look at this as a game you have to have tonight. Yeah, for sure. And But how do they have it? How do they get it? You know, I, I look at this Tampa team right now, and the more they play in this playoff, they're showing just how many different types of games they can win. I heard you when I was coming in there talking about how it's been kind of one of those series, a real low-scoring game, a real high-scoring game. But that is Tampa dictating that, not the Islanders to me. That's Tampa dictating what type of game. So they're going to come in, and they're going to choose, okay – I'm, we're going to play this game because that's what I feel like right now. Well, the Islanders have to change that mentality. They have to come out, like you said, that first goal is going to be absolutely huge. You've got to get that place going. You've got to make that arena a seventh man. And we know that they can be there. We know that it's been the loudest place. You know, Vegas might beg to differ, but it's just a smaller, more condensed. You know, they're right on top of you. Uh, so I, I think it's been the craziest place when it's going in the NHL in the playoffs. And they need to get that right off the get-go. And they have to change the mentality and say, no, we're going to play our game today. Because I think that's just been it. The, the, the lightning are in their heads right now. And I, the Islanders are saying, wait, we can't beat them in the low-scoring game, which was kind of our bread and butter. And we can't beat them in a high-scoring game. How the hell do we beat them? And so I think right now I, I'm really curious as to Barry Trotz's adjustments. Do we see any line changes? Do we see any deep pairings mixed up? He was doing it quite a bit during the game as the game went on the other night. I wonder if he comes out and does some surprises, plays a little gamesmanship. You know, I mean, we look at the way he's kind of tried to handle the officiating in that respect and kind of get under the other team's skin. But I, I wonder if he's got something up his sleeve. He's that type of coach where I think maybe he becomes that factor where the Islanders can dictate the play from the get-go because he made a coaching adjustment that works. So we'll see what happens. As for a side, I'm going to stay away. I mean, I I, I like the Islanders. I'm like you. I put a bet on them, the same bet at the beginning of the series, and I also took them straight up just to win the series. Um, and I liked them in seven, and that's still a possibility. But I'm going to stay away from that for the sole reason that I actually think the Islanders do play more of their game tonight. But the problem is I don't know if they can bury Tampa. And that's why I think this game goes to overtime. Uh, and from there, it's a crap show. So I'm going to take the draw, and I'm also going to take the Islanders in the second period. Uh, they've uh, reverted away from that a bit lately, but that was their period through the first two rounds. That's when they started to find their game. So I'm going to take a little long shot on them in the, in the second period there as well. But the draw is my big play for this game. All right. Liking the draw at a very good price in that plus 300, plus 320 range, the uh, draw with the Lightning and the Islanders. By the way, we're looking at obviously Martin Sezikis, Clutterbuck staying together as the fourth line. Zajac, Pajot, Palmieri, third line. Bailey, Nelson, Beauvillier, that group's got to get going. Not so much Nelson. Nelson's been noticeable. They need Beauvillier to Bailey and Beauvillier. Beauvillier's got to get on get on his horse again. Uh, they need yeah, something offensive. Against Boston, he was huge yeah. against the Bees. I mean, he was. He's he was. A, if he gets motoring, he needs to move. Yep. He needs to skate more. That's been his, uh, the difference. When he's skating, he's good. And they're going to have 
Eberly, Barzell, and Leo Komarov on the top line for to give you that grunt work and crash the net ability. And uh, look, that's what he gives you. He doesn't give you much offensively, Uncle but he can Leo. open up ice for Barzell and Eberly. <laughs> Uncle Leo, exactly right. So I understand why he's doing that, uh, Barry Trotz, in this one. So I, I'm lukewarm on the Islanders tonight. Like I say, I'll, I'll sprinkle a little first period and full game. Jimmy likes them in the second. Jimmy likes the draw. I like the over. That's probably my favorite look on this game. It's five. We saw the game open up after a low-scoring game one in game two, and I think the same thing after a low-scoring game three here tonight uh, in game four. Uh, all right, great stuff. Uh, we'll wrap up the show in just a sec. Before we do, um, reminder, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Sign up for an account. Use the promo code THPN. NHL, NBA, playoffs, MLB daily. We've got football in two months, yeah? NFL preseason will be here in like a month and a half. So football season is right around the corner. Uh, great time to sign up for DraftKings. When you uh, download the app, sign up for an account, you get deposit bonuses, weekly specials, weekly incentives, and bet boosts. Uh, so download the DraftKings app, sign up for an account, use the promo code THPN. All right, best bets. Mine is going to be over five, minus 120. Uh, Lightning Islanders game four tonight. That'll be uh, my best bet. Uh, Jimmy, uh, what do you like for the f- favorite uh, opinion on this game? Going with that draw. Uh, give me this game's going overtime. I just feel it. we got another one coming up for us. So get your uh, your Bucci overtime challenge ready, and we'll see you there in the extra frame. And by the way, from a goal-scoring prop standpoint, um, I'm going to do it with Beauvillier tonight. I feel it. Like tonight, he's not done anything, yeah. but you know Barry's going to get – he's going to be mentioning yeah. something. There. Someone on the coaching staff is going to say, hey, we need a little bit more from you. And Bailey, too, but Beauvillier in particular. He has at least shown you that he can score at times in the playoffs. I think I'm going to take a a shot with him to score for the uh, Lightning. Look, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. He's scoring almost every game for them now. Braden Point, I mean, it's just becoming like odd. How clutch is this guy for the Tampa Bay Lightning? What an effort on his stomach, flat on his stomach, on the ice, and swats the puck with yeah. a stick and finds it a way to get it through past Barlamov on that power play goal, which be, ended up being a huge goal, the game-winning goal, but a huge goal at the end of the second period uh, for that 2-1 to one lead the other night. Braden Point, just amazing. He's definitely in the Conn Smythe conversation if Tampa Bay uh, wins the Stanley Cup. He, he shows to you, I mean, that he's a perfect example of how good they've been at scouting for the last 10 years. I yeah. mean, just think of all the homegrown talent they have there. I mean, everyone, yeah. basically – Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, except for the guys they added at the deadline last year and a couple other guys they sprinkled in along the way. That's a homegrown team. And he's the prime example of how good their scouts were. And look at where they got him in the draft. I mean, he's unreal. I mean, he's definitely hands down the consummate favorite right now. But um, we'll see what happens when we get to the final. But, yeah, you got to ride it well. It's hot. And I like the Bovillier call, too. He's due. He definitely yeah, is. Exactly. And I think you're going to see a better effort, step up effort, especially in a spot like this. Team needs the win. You know, they know they're in trouble if they go back to Amelie Arena and, and they're down 3-1 in this series. So huge oh. night for the Islanders. We'll see. They were in uh, the spot before, right? They were in the yep. same spot against the Bruins. So, um, you know, they – And they played a great game want, before. Yeah, they, they don't want this to be the last game at the Coliseum. I mean, I think that mentality has sort of helped them in these sort of do-or-die games. They, they don't want that to be the last time they skate off that ice. If they're going to skate off that ice for the last time, they want it to be a win. And I think that matters. So – uh, that could play a factor tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Should be a good one. I'm looking forward to it. Game four, Lightning Islanders at Nassau Coliseum tonight. Uh, great to have Jimmy with us uh, for a rare Saturday appearance. Uh, thanks for doing it, Jimmy. We will have you back on Monday 
uh, Jimmy will be back with us uh, on the show. Uh, a reminder, download the Ice Guys podcast. If you can't watch the show live on YouTube, we are live on YouTube seven days a week, Monday to Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern, Saturday and Sunday, noon Eastern. Again, download the podcast if you can't watch the show live on all major podcast platforms, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeart. Check the podcast out on all those platforms. For Jimmy Murphy, I'm Ian Cameron. Have a great Saturday. Enjoy Game 4, Lightning Islanders. We'll see you again and talk to you again tomorrow on Sunday for another edition of The Ice Guys presented by the Hockey Podcast Network.